0: Be sure to follow Send Me To Sleep on your preferred podcast player so you never miss an episode and a good night's rest.
1: Good evening. Welcome to Send Me To Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind
0: and send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading chapters 14 to 16 of Tick Tock of Oz by L. Frank Baum.
1: So let your eyes fall heavy, and your breath soften, as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 14 The Long-Eared Hearer Learns by Listening
0: During this time Ruggedo, the metal monarch and king of the gnomes, was trying to amuse himself in his splendid jeweled cavern. It was hard work for Ruggedo to find amusement today. For all the gnomes were behaving well, and there was no one to scold or to punish. The king had thrown his sceptre at Calico six times, without hitting him once. Not that Calico had done anything wrong. On the contrary, he had obeyed the king in every way but one. He would not stand still when commanded to do so, and let the heavy scepter strike him. We can hardly blame Calico for this, and even the cruel Ruggedo forgave him, for he knew very well that if he mashed his royal chamberlain, he could never find another so intelligent and obedient. Calico could make the gnomes work when their king could not, for the gnomes hated Ragedo, and there were so many thousands of the quaint little underground people that they could easily have rebelled and defied the king, had they dared to do so. Sometimes, when Ragedo abused them worse than usual, they grew sullen. And threw down their hammers and picks. Then, however hard the king scolded or whipped them, they would not work until Calico came,
1: and begged
0: them to. For Calico was one of themselves, and was as much abused by the king, as any gnome in the vast series of caverns. But today. All the little people were working industriously at their tasks, and Ruggedo, having nothing to do, was greatly bored. He sent for the long-eared hearer and asked him to listen carefully and report what was going on in the big world. It seems, said the hearer after listening for a while, that the women in America have clubs.
1: Are there spikes in them? asked Rigetto, yawning. I cannot hear any
0: spikes, Your Majesty, was the reply. Then
1: their clubs
0: are not as good as my sceptre. What
1: else do you hear? There's a war. Bah! There's always a war. What else?
0: For a time, the hero was silent, bending forward and spreading out his big ears to catch the slightest sound. Then suddenly, he said, Here's an interesting thing, your majesty. These people are arguing as to who shall conquer the metal monarch seize his treasure and drive him from his dominions. What people? demanded Ruggedo,
1: sitting up straight in his throne. The ones
0: you threw down the hollow tube. Where are they now? In the same tube, and coming back this way, said the hearer. Ragedo got out of his throne and began to pace up and down the cavern. I wonder what can be done to stop them, he mused. Well, said the hearer, if you could turn the tube upside down, they would be falling the other way, your majesty. Ragedo glared at him wickedly for it was impossible to turn the tube upside down, and he believed the hearer was slyly poking fun at him. Presently, he asked, How far away are those people now? About 9,306 miles, 17 furlongs, 8 feet and 4 inches. As nearly as I can judge from the sound of their voices, replied the hearer. Aha, then it will be some time before they arrive, said Ruggedo, and when they get here I shall be ready to receive them. He rushed to his gong and pounded upon it so fiercely, That Calico came bounding into the cavern, with one shoe off and one shoe on, for he was just dressing himself after a swim in the hot bubbling lake of the underground kingdom. Calico those invaders whom we threw down the tube are coming back again, he exclaimed. I thought they would "'said the royal chamberlain, pulling on the other shoe. "'Tititihuuchu would not allow them to remain in his kingdom, of course, "'and so I've been expecting them back for some time. "'That was a very foolish action of yours, Rug.' "'What, to throw them down the
1: tube?' "'Yes.' Tititty has
0: forbidden us to throw even rubbish into the tube. Pooh, what do I care for the Jinjin? asked Ruggedo scornfully. He never leaves his own kingdom, which is on the other side of the world. True, but he might send someone through the tube to punish you, said Calico. I'd like to see him do it. Who could conquer my thousands of gnomes? Why, they've been conquered before, if I remember aright, answered Calico with a grin. Once I saw you running from a little girl named Dorothy and her friends, as if you were really afraid. Well... I was afraid at the time, admitted the gnome king with a deep sigh, for Dorothy had a yellow hen that laid eggs. The king shuddered as he said eggs, and Calico also shuddered, and so did the long-eared hearer, for eggs are the only things that gnomes greatly dread. The reason for this is that eggs belong on the earth's surface, where bird and fowl of all sorts live, and there is something about a hen's egg, especially, that fills a gnome with horror. If by chance the inside of an egg touches one of these underground people, he withers up and blows away and that is the end of him, unless he manages to quickly speak a magical word which only a few gnomes know. Therefore Ruggedo and his followers had very good cause to shudder at the mere mention of eggs.
1: But Dorothy, said the king, is not with
0: this band of invaders. Nor is the yellow hen. As for Tititiuchu, he has no means of knowing that we are afraid of eggs. You mustn't be too sure of that, Kalico warned him. Hootchu knows a great many things, being a fairy, and his powers are far superior to any we can boast. Regedo shrugged impatiently and turned to the hearer. Listen, said he, and tell me if you hear any eggs coming through the tube. The long-eared one listened and then shook his head, but Calico laughed at the king. No one can hear an egg, your majesty, said he. The only way to discover the truth
1: is to look through the magic spyglass. That's it, cried the king. Why didn't I think of it
0: before? Look at once, Calico. So Calico went to the spyglass, and by uttering a mumbled charm, he caused the other end of it to twist around so that it pointed down the opening of the tube. Then he put his eye to the spyglass, and was able to gaze along all the turns and windings of the magic spyglass, and then deep into the tube, to where our friends were at the time falling.
1: "'Dear me!' he exclaimed. "'Here comes a dragon!' A big one," asked Ruggedo.
0: "A monster. He has an electric light on the end of his tail, so I can see him very plainly, and the other people are all riding on his back.
1: How about the eggs?" inquired the king.
0: Calico looked again. "I can see no eggs at all," said he but I imagine the dragon is as dangerous as eggs. Probably Titithoochoo has sent him here to punish you for dropping those strangers into the forbidden tube. I warned you not to do it, your majesty. This news made the Gnome King anxious. For a few minutes he paced up and down, Stroking his long beard and thinking with all his might. After this he turned to Calico and said, All the harm a dragon can do is a scratch with his claw and a bite with his teeth. That is not all, but it's quite enough, returned Calico earnestly. On the other hand, no one can hurt a dragon, because he's the toughest creature alive. One flop of his huge tail could smash a hundred gnomes to pancakes, and with teeth and claws he could tear even you or me into small bits, so that it would be almost impossible to put us together again. Once, a few hundred years ago, while wandering through some deserted caverns, I came upon a small piece of gnome lying on the rocky floor. I asked the piece of gnome what had happened to it. Fortunately, the mouth was a part of this piece, the mouth and the left eye, so it was able to tell me that a fierce dragon was the cause. It had attacked the poor gnome and scattered him in every direction, and as there was no friend near to collect his pieces and put him together, they had been separated for a great many years. So you see, your majesty, it is not in good taste to sneer at a dragon, The king had listened attentively to Calico, said he, It will only be necessary to chain this dragon which Tichihuchu has sent here in order to prevent his reaching us with his claws and teeth. He also breathes flames, Calico reminded him. My gnomes are not afraid of fire. Nor am
1: I, said Ruggedo. Well, how about
0: the army of Oogaboo? Sixteen cowardly officers and tick Why, I could defeat them single-handed, but I won't try to. I'll summon my army of gnomes to drive the invaders out of my territory. And if we catch any of them, I intend to stick needles into them until they hop with pain. I hope you won't hurt any of the girls, said Calico. I'll hurt them all, roared the angry metal monarch. And that brain mule I'll make into hoof soup and feed it to my gnomes that it may add to their strength. Why not be good to the strangers and release your prisoner, the shaggy man's brother, suggested Calico. Never. It may save you a lot of annoyance, and you don't want the ugly one. I don't want him, that's true, but I won't allow anybody to order me around. I'm king of the gnomes and I'm the metal monarch and I shall do as I please and what I please and when I please. With this speech Rigetto threw his scepter at Calico's head aiming it so well that the royal chamberlain had fallen upon the floor in order to escape it. But the hearer did not see the sceptre coming, and it swept past his head so closely that it broke off the tip of one of his long ears. He gave a dreadful yell that quite startled Ruggedo, and the king was sorry for the accident, because those long ears of the hearer were really very valuable to him. So the Gnome King forgot to be angry with Calico, and ordered his Chamberlain to summon General Guff and the army of gnomes, and have them properly armed. They were then to march to the mouth of the tube, where they could seize the
1: travellers as soon as they appeared. Chapter Fifteen
0: The Dragon Defies Danger Although the journey through the tube was longer this time than before, it was so much more comfortable that none of our friends minded it at all. They talked together most of the time, and as they found the dragon good-natured, and fond of the sound of his own voice, they soon became well acquainted with him, and accepted him as a companion. You see, said Shaggy, in his frank way, Quox is on our side, and therefore the dragon is a good fellow. If he happened to be an enemy, instead of a friend, I'm sure I should, dislike him very much, for his breath smells of brimstone. He is very conceited, and he is so strong and fierce that he would prove a dangerous foe. Yes, indeed, returned Quox, who had listened to his speech with pleasure. I suppose I am about as terrible as any living thing. I am glad you find me conceited, for that proves I know my good qualities. And as for my breath-smelling of brimstone, I really can't help it. And I once met a man whose breath smelled of onions, which I consider far worse. I don't, said Betsy. I love onions. And I love brimstone, declared the dragon, so don't let us quarrel over one another's peculiarities. Saying this, he breathed a long breath and shot a flame fifty feet from his mouth. The brimstone made Betsy cough, but she remembered about the onions and said nothing. They had no idea how far they had gone through the centre of the earth, nor when to expect the trip to end. At one time, the little girl remarked, I wonder when we'll reach the bottom of this hole. And isn't it funny, shaggy man, that what is the bottom to us now was the top when we fell the other way? What puzzles me, said Files, is that we are able to fall both ways. That, announced
1: Tick-Tock, is because the world is round.
0: Exactly, responded Shaggy. The machinery in our head is in fine working order, Tick-Tock. You know, Betsy, that there is such... Such a thing is the attraction of gravitation, which draws everything towards the centre of the earth. That is why we fall out of bed and why everything clings to the surface of the earth. Then why doesn't everything go on down to the centre of the earth? inquired the little girl. I was afraid you were going to ask me that, replied Shaggy in a sad tone. The reason, my dear, is that the earth is so solid that other solid things can't get through it. But when there's a hole, as there is in this case, we drop right down to the centre of the world. Why don't we stop there? asked Betsy, because we go so fast that we acquire speed enough to carry us right up to the other end. I don't understand that, and it makes my headache to try to figure it out, she said after some thought. One thing draws us to the centre, and another thing pushes us away from it. But, don't ask me why, please,
1: interrupted the shaggy man. If you can't understand it, let it go at that. Do you
0: understand it? she inquired. All the magic isn't in Fairyland, he said gravely. There's lots of magic, all in nature, and you may see it as well in the united states where you and once i lived as you can hear i never did she replied because you were so used to it all that you didn't realize it was magic is anything more wonderful than to see a flower grow and blossom or to get light out of the electricity in the air the cows that manufacture milk for us must have machinery fully as remarkable as in TikTok's copper body.
1: And perhaps
0: you've noticed that. And then, before Shaggy could finish his speech, the strong light of day suddenly broke upon them, grew brighter, and completely enveloped them. The dragon's claws no longer scraped against the metal tube for he shot into the open air a hundred feet or more and sailed so far away from the slanting hole that when he landed it was on the peak of a mountain and just over the entrance to the many underground caverns of the gnome king. Some of the officers tumbled off their seats when Quox struck the ground, but most of the dragon's passengers only felt a slight jar. All were glad to be on solid earth again, and they at once dismounted and began to look about them. Queerly enough, as soon as they had left the dragon, The seats that were strapped to the monster's back disappeared and this probably happened because there was no further use for them and because Quox looked far more dignified in his silver scales. Of course he still wore the forty yards of ribbon around his neck as well as the great locket but these only made him look dressed up as Betsy remarked. Now the army of gnomes had gathered thickly around the mouth of the tube in order to be ready to capture the band of invaders as soon as they popped out. There were, indeed, hundreds of gnomes assembled and they were led by Guff, their most famous general. But they did not expect The dragon to fly so high, and he shot out of the tube so suddenly that it took them by surprise. When the gnomes had rubbed the astonishment out of their eyes and regained their wits, they discovered the dragon quietly seated on the mountainside, far above their heads, while the other strangers were standing in a group and calmly looking down upon them. General Guff was very angry at the escape, which was no one's fault but his own. Come down here and be captured, he shouted, waving his sword at them. Come up here and capture us, if you dare, replied Queen Anne, who was winding up the clockwork of her private soldier so he could fight more briskly. Guff's first answer was a roar of rage at the defiance, then he turned and issued a command to his gnomes. These were all armed with sharp spears, and with one accord they raised these spears and threw them straight at their foes so that they rushed through the air in a perfect cloud of flying weapons. Some damage might have been done had the dragon not quickly crawled before the others, his body being so big that it shielded every one of them, including Hank. The spears rattled against the silver scales of Quox, and then fell harmlessly to the ground. They were magic spears, of course, and all straightway bounded back into the hands of those who had thrown them, but even Guff could see that it was useless to repeat the attack. It was now Queen Anne's turn to attack, so the generals yelled, Forward march! and the colonels and majors and captains repeated the command, and the valiant army of Oogaboo, which seemed to be composed mainly of tick marched forward in single column towards the gnomes, while Betsy and Polychrome cheered, and Hank gave a loud hee-haw, and Shaggy shouted hooray and Queen Anne screamed, Atom, Tick-Tock, Atom. The gnomes did not await the clockwork man's attack, but in a twinkling disappeared into the underground caverns. They made a great mistake in being so hasty, for Tick-Tock had not taken a dozen steps before he stubbed his copper toe on a rock and fell flat to the ground where he cried,
1: pick me up, pick me up, pick me up,
0: until Shaggy and Files ran forward and raised him to his feet. The dragon chuckled softly to himself as he scratched his left ear with his hind claw but no one was paying much attention to Quox just then. It was evident to Anne and her officers that there could be no fighting unless the enemy was present, and in order to find the enemy they must boldly enter the underground kingdom of the gnomes. So bold a step demanded a council of war. Don't you think I'd better drop in on Ragedo and obey the orders of the Jinjin?" asked Quox. By no means, returned Queen Anne. We have already put the army of gnomes to flight, and all that yet remains is to force our way into those caverns and conquer the gnome king and all his people. That seems to me something of a job, said the dragon, closing his eyes sleepily. But go ahead, if you like, and I'll wait here for you. Don't be in any hurry on my account. To one who lives thousands of years, the delay of a few days means nothing at all. I shall probably sleep. Until the time comes for me to act. Anne was provoked at this speech. You may as well go back to Ttititihootju now," she said, "for the Nome King is as good as conquered already." But Quox shook his head.
1: "No," said he, "I'll wait." Chapter 16 The Naughty Gnome.
0: Shaggy Man had said nothing during the conversation between Queen Anne and Quox, for the simple reason that he did not consider the matter worth an argument. Safe within his pocket reposed the love magnet, which had never failed to win every heart. The gnomes he knew, were not like the heartless roses and therefore could be one to his side as soon as he exhibited the magic talisman. Shaggy's chief anxiety had been to reach Ruggedo's kingdom and now that the entrance lay before him, he was quite confident he would be able to rescue his lost brother. Let Anne and the dragon quarrel as to who should conquer the gnomes if they liked. Shaggy would let them try, and if they failed, he had the means of conquest in his own pocket. But Anne was positive she could not fail, for she thought her army could do anything. So she called the officers together and told them how to act and she also instructed TikTok what to do and what to say. Please do not shoot your gun except as a last resort, she added, for I do not wish to be cruel or shed any blood, unless it is absolutely necessary. All right, replied TikTok, but I do not Think Ruggedo would bleed if I filled him full of holes and put him in a cinder press. Then the officers fell in line, the four generals abreast, and then the four colonels, and the four majors and the four captains. They drew their glittering swords and commanded TikTok to march, which he did. Twice he fell down, being tripped by the rough rocks, but when he struck the smooth path, he got along better. In the gloomy mouth of the cavern entrance, he stepped without hesitation, and after him proudly pranced the officers and Queen Anne. The others held back a line waiting to see what would happen. Of course the Gnome King knew they were coming and was prepared to receive them. Just within the rocky passage that led to the jeweled throne room was a deep pit, which was usually covered. Ruggedo had ordered the cover removed and it now stood open. Scarcely visible in the gloom. The pit was so large around that it nearly filled the passage and there was barely room for one to walk around it by pressing close to the rock walls. This Tick-Tock did, for his copper eyes saw the pit clearly and he avoided it the officers marched straight into the hole and tumbled in a heap on the bottom. An instant later, Queen Anne also walked into the pit, for she had her chin in the air and was careless where she placed her feet. Then one of the gnomes pulled a lever which replaced the cover on the pit and made the officers of Oogaboo and their queen fast prisoners as for tiktok he kept straight on to the cavern where regedo sat in his throne and there he faced the known king and said i hereby conquer you in the name of queen and so forth of Oogaboo, whose army i am and I declare that you are her prisoner. Ruggedo laughed at him. Where is this famous queen? he asked. She'll be here in a minute, said Tick-Tock. Perhaps she stopped to tie her shoestring. Now see here, Tick-Tock, began the Gnome King in a stern voice. I've had enough of this nonsense. Your queen and her officers are all prisoners, having fallen into my power, so perhaps you'll tell me what you mean to do. My orders were to conquer you, replied Tick-Tock, and my machinery has done the best it knows how to carry out those orders. Regedo pounded on his gong, and Calico appeared, followed closely by General Guff. Take this copper man into the shops and set him to work hammering gold, commanded the king. Being run by machinery, he ought to be a steady worker. He ought never to have been made but since he exists, I shall hereafter put him to good use. If you try to capture me,
1: said Tick-Tock, I shall fight. Don't do
0: that, exclaimed General Guff earnestly, for it will be useless to resist and you might hurt someone. But Tick-Tock raised his gun and took aim. And not knowing what damage the gun might do, the gnomes were afraid to face it. While he was thus defying the gnome king and his high officials, Betsy Bobbin rode calmly into the royal cavern, seated upon the back of Hank the mule. The little girl had grown tired of waiting for something to happen. And so had come to see if Ragedo had been captured. Nails and nuggets, roared the king. How dare you bring that beast here and enter my presence unannounced? There wasn't anybody to announce me, replied Betsy. I guess your folks were all busy. Are you conquered yet? No shouted the king, almost beside himself with rage. Then please give me something to eat, for I'm awfully hungry, said the girl. You see, this conquering business is a good deal like waiting for a circus parade. It takes a long time to get around and don't amount to much anyhow. The gnomes were so much astonished at this speech that for a time they could only glare at her silently, not finding words to reply. The king finally recovered the use of his tongue and said Earth crueler, this insolence to my majesty shall be your death warrant. You are an ordinary mortal. And to stop a mortal from living is so easy a thing to do that I will not keep you waiting half so long as you did for my conquest. I'd rather you wouldn't stop me from living, remarked Betsy, getting off Hank's back and standing beside him. And it would be a pretty cheap king who killed the visitor while she was hungry if you'll give me something to eat i'll talk this killing business over with you afterward only i warn you now that i don't approve of it and never will her coolness and lack of fear impressed the gnome king although he bore an intense hatred towards all mortals. What do you wish to eat? he asked gruffly. Oh, a ham sandwich would do, or perhaps a couple of hard-boiled eggs. Eggs, shrieked the three gnomes who were present, shuddering till their teeth chattered. What's the matter? asked Betsy, wonderingly. Are eggs as high here as they are at home? Guff, said the king in an agitated voice, turning to his general. Let us destroy this rash mortal at once. Seize her and take her to the slimy cave and lock her in. Guff glanced at Tick-Tock, whose gun was still pointed, but just then Calico stole softly behind the copper man and kicked his knee joints so they suddenly bent forward and tumbled Tick-Tock to the floor, his gun
1: falling from his grasp. Then Guff, seeing
0: Tick-Tock helpless, made a grab at Betsy. At the same time, Hank's heels shot out and caught the general just where his belt was buckled. He rose into the air swift as a cannonball, struck the gnome king fairly and flattened his majesty against the wall of rock on the opposite side of the cavern. Together, They fell to the floor in a dazed and crumpled condition, seeing which Calico whispered to Betsy Come with me, quick, and I will save you. She looked into Calico's face inquiringly, and thought he seemed honest and good natured, so she decided to follow him. He led her and the mule through several passages and into a small cavern, very nicely and comfortably furnished. This is my own room, said he, but you are quite welcome to use it. Wait here a minute and I'll get you something to eat. When Calico returned, he brought a tray containing some broiled mushrooms, a loaf of mineral bread, and some petroleum butter. The butter Betsy could not eat, but the bread was good, and the mushrooms delicious. Here's the door key, said Calico, and you'd better lock yourself in. Won't you let Polychrome and the Rose Prince come here too, she asked. I'll see.
1: Where are they? I don't know. I left them outside said Betsy. Well, if you hear
0: three raps on the door, open it, said Calico, but don't let anyone in unless they give you three raps. All right, promised Betsy, and when Calico left the cozy cavern, she closed the door and locked it. In the meantime, Anne and her officers finding themselves prisoners in the pit, had shouted and screamed until they were tired out, but no one had come to their assistance. It was very dark and damp in the pit, and they could not climb out because the walls were higher than their heads and the cover was on. The queen was first angry and then annoyed and then discouraged, but the officers were only afraid. Every one of the poor fellows heartily wished he was back in Oogaboo, caring for his orchard, and some were so unhappy they began to reproach Anne for causing them all this trouble. Finally, the queen sat down on the bottom of the pit and leaned her back Against the wall, by good luck, her sharp elbow touched a secret spring in the wall, and a big flat rock swung inward, and fell over backwards. But the next instant she jumped up and cried to the others, "A passage, a passage, follow me, my brave men, and we may yet escape. Then she began to crawl through the passage which was as dark and dank as the pit and the officers followed her in single file. They crawled and they crawled and they kept on crawling for the passage was not big enough to allow them to stand upright. It turned this way and twisted that Sometimes like a corkscrew, and sometimes zigzag, but seldom ran for long in a straight line. It will never end, never, moaned the officers, who were rubbing all the skin off their knees on the rough rocks. It must end, retorted Anne courageously, or it never would have been made. We don't know where it will lead us to, but any place is better than this loathsome pit. So she crawled on, and the officers crawled on, and while they were crawling through this awful underground passage, Polychrome and Shaggy and Files and the Rose Princess, who were standing outside the entrance to Regeddo's Domain, were wondering what had become
1: of them.